Yeah. I've got to that point. I need a stool. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. It's so good to be here with you, folks. A lot of joy. Yeah, that's that's bad now. I gotta use a stool now, especially after my sickness I had in June. Um, I've always been a very healthy person. I said uh, the only time I ever been in the uh, in the hospital was when I was seven years old and had my tonsils removed. And then I got uh, cellulitis in my leg. I got so bad that uh, I literally collapsed on the floor there in our home, and we had to call 911, and the paramedics had to pull me out, get me out of there, and get me in the ambulance to get there. And then I had to spend about a week or so uh, there in the hospital. And I said, okay, fine. I went through that experience. Your pastor knows all about it. He has a special room there in the hospital. He's there all the time. But it was a kind of a new experience for me. So I thought, okay, fine. I'll, I'll get out of the hospital and give me another week or so, and I'll be back to normal. Unfortunately, that just didn't happen. And um, I was very weak. I could hardly uh, get up, could hardly walk. And uh, I was getting discouraged because I just thought, Am I going to have to end my ministry? I, I, I can't stay this way. And, and I was really asking the Lord, what, what are you doing? And such. And, and uh, it was a time of, uh, of soul searching, allow God to speak to me and uh, what I need to do. And, uh, and thankfully, the Lord has pretty much given me back most of my strength, though I cannot... Um, uh, stand on my feet for very long. I always have to uh, uh, sit down now. My legs are that weak. But uh, I'm, I'm glad uh, the Lord still gave me a, a strong mouth. I tell you. I tell you, when I was down in Antigua, uh, that's one of the things we always loved to do. Uh, we would go down to different villages there, and uh, it would be a, a group of us from our church, uh, we had a little chord organ uh, we played. Uh, we had a group there that sang and so forth. And we had people on the ends that would be passing out tracks and so forth uh, there. And I would be preaching there. And uh, most of the time, I, I didn't use any electronic equipment. I just, I, just, I just bellowed out. And I had a very strong voice. And if the wind was strong enough, they said they could hear me almost a mile away. I mean... I lost a little bit of that, but uh, so so we were doing that. And as the pastor was telling us uh, about that trailer, again, that was God's working. We were we were 15 years uh, on the mission field. Um, we started in uh, 1978, so we're in our 44th year right now. We're praying that we can get up to 50 years, and. Uh, in 1978, uh, Lord directed uh, myself, my wife. She wasn't my wife then. A lot of you know the story, and I'm not going to go into the story. But uh, we, uh, we, we were sent down to Antigua, and uh, she was working in the deaf ministry. And I first started over in the uh, radio ministry at a uh, Christian radio station there. 
and uh, that's where we met, and then we eventually got married. And so we were there. So we spent 15 years there. Uh, we got uh, a church established. We were dealing with, uh, um, uh, we had a uh, Bible Institute also going there um, uh, with us and a couple of the other good fundamental churches there and such. And, and we had someone to take over a church, so we, we felt the, uh, no need to uh, continue there anymore. So we were praying, where would the Lord have us to go? And uh, and so we were praying about that. We had several offers of different places to go, but I never was, the uh, um, Lord never gave me a peace about those things. And then my my wife, uh, Ellen, she had to go up to uh, Rochester for her dad's funeral, and uh, and uh, she, uh, she was there. Um, Pastor Simpson, who's with the Lord now, um, he he talked to my wife there and says, uh, "Does your husband know where you're going?" He says, "No, we don't." He says, um, "Consider Kingston." He says, "Why Kingston?" And uh, he said, "Listen, uh, they would they would take a group of men, uh, usually once a year. They would go up there." Uh, in that area, there's a lot of lakes up there, small lakes and so forth, great fishing. If you like to go fishing, that's the area to go fishing. And they always have a group of uh, men that would go up there, usually once a year. And, of course, they'd be there over the weekend, and then they'd continue to look for a church. Couldn't find a good, solid Bible-preaching church there at all. So the Lord uh, uh, was telling him, Listen, have him consider Kingston. So my wife told me about Kingston. Uh, the only Kingston at that time I knew about was Kingston, Jamaica. And uh, I said, okay, fine. And this is on the eastern side of Lake Ontario, St. Lawrence River, on that. So I prayed about that, and then I, I, I got total confidence that that where God was leading. Now, this is, this is where your church came in. Um, they were already supporting us. Um, uh, uh, Pastor Christian visited us uh, down there uh, and so forth. <clears throat> and uh, so, so we were praying, okay, where are we going to locate until we transition up there? We knew normally we'd, we had a church down there in uh, Pennsylvania that uh, took care of that one. We were down there in, uh, in Antigua. But that door closed. So we were praying, where would the Lord, uh, where, how's the Lord going to provide? And then Pastor Christian called us and says, listen, you still need a place to stay. I said, yes, we do. He says, well, our church has decided to buy a trailer, which is that trailer right out there, put it on the property. Of course, you didn't have this building at that time. And, uh, and uh, we're... We want you to stay there. This was God's opening for us. And here, this was our closest supporting church. Again, we're only two and a half hours away. How close can you get that you can go up there and, uh, and look over the field that you want to go to and, and, and prepare uh, for it when we eventually moved up there? And so this was God's working in that. And what a blessing it is. All these years... Uh, that uh, that you've been faithful in in our work uh, that we've had there. 
how we appreciate that and uh, all of you have done through the years. As Pastor Christian uh, supported us, of course, Pastor Legault, just as great a support for us and, and such. Um, uh, we could tell you some stories about Pastor Kidney. We knew when he was a little boy. <laughs> I said, boy, yeah, there he is. Okay, yeah, we, we, we knew him and, uh, back there. And, uh, and we're so glad he got married and has two children. This is the first time we met his wife and his two children. That's a blessing. And uh, so, you know, so it was... Uh, it was a, uh, it's a real blessing that we can come down here and be with you and, uh, and just share a, l- a little bit about the things that uh, we're doing. Now, I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Revelation. Now, this is not a prophecy message, okay? This is not on prophecy. And uh, as we got an email from Pastor Kenny. Uh, concerning the theme, and the theme is faithfulness. As, uh, uh, as the different missionaries you've had here, they've been on the field for, for a good many years. And, uh, and so we're going to be looking at that here in Revelation chapter 14, involved of, of, of faithfulness. Now let me just give you, uh, we're going to look at Revelation 14, are the main scriptures we're going to look at, is verses 12 and 13, but let me give you a little bit of background of what was going on at this time. Again, we're right in the middle of the tribulation period. And uh, in chapter 13, we have the Antichrist. Uh, we got the false prophet uh, as they get control uh, of, of the world. And, uh, and uh, uh, you notice there in chapter 13, first of all, it says here, um, uh, or um, uh, actually looking up there, um, uh, verse 7, that is, Re- Revelation chapter 13, verse 7. It says here, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given over all the kindreds, tongues, and nations. So, again, the whole thing was to destroy all of Christianity to remove that uh, from the face of the earth. Um, Then you go over to verse 15 there in chapter 13, and he says here, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and and cause, that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So that's the situation they were facing. Uh, They had to... Worship the image, and again, as we'll look over there in chapter 14, they had to take the mark. If they did it, your life is as good as gone. That's the situation it was. Very evil, wicked. And of course, we know that the world uh, it has changed so much. Uh, since I, you know, I've been on the, uh, uh, serving the Lord on the mission for, for 44 years. And I've seen so much, and it's very discouraging to see. There, we used to, there were some really good churches that, that we used to be a part of uh, uh, throughout the states, and now uh, some of those churches, I couldn't even go into their door because they have just so much compromised in what they believe. They turned away from the truth. They did not stay steadfast 
They wanted to go with what was popular at that time, thinking that, oh, that's the best way we can reach them. But you don't do that. We don't compromise concerning the teaching of the Word of God. The Word of God doesn't change. It's the same. And so uh, uh, that's the sad thing. And again, that's, that's where our society is going. Well, I, that's okay because the Bible prophesied that this, that's going to be. The world's going to get more and more wicked. And we see that very clearly today. So we know the Lord is coming, and he's coming very, very soon. And uh, uh, I pray that I'll never have to, uh, that they'll not have, never have to bury me. I'll just go straight on up. That's what I desire. And, uh, and, and such. So that is the condition that was, they were facing here. Terrible, terrible conditions. And, uh, and uh, then you get over to chapter 14 uh, there. Uh, the, the first verses there deal with the 144,000 uh, up in heaven here. You see, you're, you're first introduced over in Revelation chapter 7. And, uh, and then we see the great multitudes that were saved. And then here we see them up in heaven. Even in the direst times, God always has his witness. Never fails. He always has his witness. He always has his remnant. You know, Elijah, uh, here, here he was during the time of uh, Ahab and Jezebel and, and Baal worship and all that. And uh, uh, he got to a point and says, Lord, I think I'm the only one left. I'm the only one. But God says, no, 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 Elijah. I have 5,000 others. You're not the only one left. But I do have my remnant. And that's what he has here. He has, uh, he has 144,000 here. Revelation chapter 11, you got the two witnesses uh, there in Jerusalem. Uh, faithful witnesses there for God in these very, very trying times that they were. Now, go there to uh, verse number 6 of Revelation 14. Now, here we see another witness. Here we have the witness of the angel. Here God sent an angel, verse 6, and it says here, And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation, kindred, and tongue, and people. So, uh, again, uh, through this angel also, the gospel was, was being given out that all could hear in every nation, every kingdom, and every tongue. So that every individual has an opportunity God always gives opportunity to people to hear the gospel who want to hear it. God will provide a way. Uh, like uh, uh, as, uh, as we saw there in that uh, video there uh, with, uh, uh, with the Fitzgeralds there in Mongolia. And one of the reasons he's there is I'm sure that there were some Mongolians uh, desiring that God would send someone that they could get the truth. And so he was sent there for that purpose. 
to that they might get the, the, the truth. And so here we have in uh, verse 6, we have the one preaching the, uh, the everlasting gospel. We see the, what that message was there in verse 7, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that had made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of the water. So this is the total contrast to the Antichrist and the false prophet and the image that they set up. He said, that is not the true God. This is the true God. He's the one who created uh, uh, the heaven and earth before you. And this is the one that you need to worship. This is the one you need to put your faith in. Because if you don't, he warns them, for the hour of judgment is come. Every individual that's walking this earth is going to have a day of judgment. They're going to have to stand before God one day. As we know, Hebrews 9.27 is appointed on the man once to die. But after this, the what? The judgment. Judgment will come. No, There's no exception. I, I, I don't really want to go there. Well, you have no choice. You have no choice about that. You will go. You will go and face that judgment that is there. Now, and uh, it talks about uh, uh, another angel that came uh, concerning that of Babylon. Uh, there in verses, uh, 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 in verses uh, uh, verse 8 there. And it says there, and there followed an angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, the great city, because she has made all the nations drink of the, of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. You see that over there in Revelation 17 and 18. Again, that's where, that's where Satan be, all began there. Babylon goes back there to Genesis chapter 11 with Nimrod and the, and the Tower of, of, of Babel and so forth and the corruption of, of, uh, of uh, the things uh, concerning God, how they corrupted that. And that is going to all fall under God's judgment. But then, this is, this is sad, and I wish people, the unsaved would realize this here in verses 9, 10, and 11. This is what they are destined to without Christ. Notice this. And the third angel followed them saying, the loud voice, if any man worship the beast and his image <clears throat> and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. The wrath of God. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God, the Bible says. And they will have to face the wrath of of God. What is that going to be like? What is that going to be like? Which is poured out, notice there, without mixture. It's not diluted. It's not, it, it, it is full force that comes here. And it will fall. And everyone here talks about worship the beast. Well, again, it's not, it's for those who worship the beast 
at this during the time of the tribulation. But this is also true of everyone who re, uh, rejects Christ as their Savior. The same consequence will fall on them. So they'll face the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation uh, here and, uh, and uh, uh, of his anger uh, uh, that he will bring forth uh, concerning their sin. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels. They will be part of the ministering of the judgment that comes upon them. And in the presence of the Lamb, who also who is the final judge, who will judge them. There is a great white throne judgment and found them guilty. Their names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. And they will be cast there uh, in torment with fire and brimstone. And verse 11, and the smoke of their torment ascend up forever and ever. No ending. They will remain there forever. We, can, we, we don't understand forever. We're, we always have a time period, but forever. We're, we're, we're so grateful to think, oh, we're going to be in heaven and with the Lord forever. But here, they will be just the opposite. And, uh, uh, and the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they had no rest day nor night. In other words, you don't go, don't go for a certain time. Says, okay, take a break. We're going to ease off uh, the judgment here, uh, the wrath of God. It's going to be a little bit easier. Then we'll get back to it. No. It remains the same throughout all eternity. We can't imagine that and the terribleness of that. But that's exactly what is going to be faced by every person who rejects Christ. Everyone, no exception to that. And that's why God was so concerned that people would know and that they might turn and repent of their sins. You know, Jesus said, and as, as, as he was ministering uh, uh, here, and when it came to the end of his ministry, and uh, how it saddened his heart, how so many of them rejected him. And it says over in Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 and 38, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how oft would I have gathered the children together, even as... Uh, as, uh, as the hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. He would not. They would not come. He offered the greatest thing that you could ever have, but they rejected it. Then he warned them. He says, all right, behold, your house will be left unto you desolate. God's judgment will fall. Of course, it fell upon the nation of Israel there. And that's the terribleness of it. That's why we go out and witness. Most people are totally uh, ignorant of this. They have no idea. 
You ask people, what do you think is going to happen after you die? Well, most people say, well, I hope uh, they'll be okay. I'm, uh, uh, so I, I, I just don't know. You don't know. Well, after you die, it's going to be an awful long time. What's going to happen? And you've got to be prepared for that and, and, and sharing the gospel with them. So that's their condition. But now, again, that, that's, not my, that's not my message. That was my introduction. Uh, see, Pastor Legault should not give me the seat. See, I, I would have been done by this time if I was standing. <laughs> I got the seat here. But uh, anyhow, and I won't spend a long time here, but this is the important part. Now, look at the saints that were going through all of this. Terrible, terrible time. You know, also it says over there uh, concerning these saints over in Revelation chapter 20, uh, it says there in verse 4, And I saw the thrones, and they, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, uh, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads, or in their hands, and they, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. And so that's, these, are, these are the groups I'm talking about here, a moment here in verses 12 and 13. These are the ones that when they put their faith in, uh, in Christ, uh, it was almost uh, certain they were going to be killed. And, uh, most of them were beheaded there. Now, what kind of Christian were they? I tell you, they, these were not easy believisms. No, no, they would not last a second and got under the persecution that they went under. This was, this was a, a life sentence. Man, I, 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 I put my faith in Christ, and I don't know how long I'm going to be living physically anymore. I could be dead the next day because they're out there looking for me. But they remain faithful and a faithful witness. Notice how it characterizes them here in verses 12 and 13. These wonderful saints that stood up in the very hardest and difficult times that they were facing. It says here, here is the patience of the saints. And here it speaks here of the patience of the saints. Now, that word there means, indicates a steadfastness, uh, uh, perverseness with enduring toil and suffering. They kept on going no matter what the circumstances were. They didn't look at the circumstances well, they don't look so bad, so I'll keep on serving God. But as soon as it does it, and things kind of turn against me, oh, I'm going to turn back. No. Even in the face of death, they remain steadfast in serving God. They would not allow anything to hinder that. They said, here is the patience of the saints. They continued on to the point where they probably died. They were martyred. 
but they were not going to allow that to happen. Uh, that's, that's, that shows faithfulness. Faithfulness is, it can be determined what, what it is that could cause you to stop serving him. Okay? Is, is there anything that will stop you? Is it that, hey, you might get ridiculed by uh, your neighbor or, your, or, or some friends of yours, the people you work with, or maybe in your family? And I don't want that, so I'm not going to be such a strong witness for him. Uh, I'll just kind of ease up on it. No. We're faithful. We're faithful in our we're, we, we No matter what the circumstances are, and I guarantee you, they're not always going to be good. You're going to go through some hard times. And uh, times is that, well, boy, is it worth it? Well, we'll find out how worth it it is. It is worth it. Stay patient in our service to God. And it says over there in... Uh, and uh, Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Stay, stay true to the mark. The world wants to push us away. They want us to follow them and the way they're doing it. But no, we follow the word. The word of God doesn't change. So our message doesn't change. We stay faithful to that. Let them criticize. It doesn't make any difference. You just keep on doing it, doing that. So let us hold fast the profession of faith without wavering. Why? For he's faithful, that promise. He's faithful. Oh, aren't you glad the Lord Jesus Christ was faithful? He was there in the garden of Gethsemane right before his crucifixion. He said, well, I don't going to go through this. I'm just going to forget about it. No. He was faithful. And we should be faithful like that. We need to be faithful like that. Now, I, we can't ever put ourselves in the level of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not even thinking about that. But he always sets the perfect example for us to follow. That perfect example that we should do that. It says also in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, and labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God, and our Father. Patience of hope. We have a blessed hope we're looking forward to. It's an assured hope. There's no question that God will do exactly what he says he's going to do. The only question we got is when he's going to do it. We don't always know when, but he will. Follow through. And so we are patiently going on until that moment. We keep looking up and keep on going even during that time. Colossians chapter 1, verse 23. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled. Boy, that's what we need to be. We need Christians that are grounded and settled. And what is settled in? And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to you in every creature, which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am a minister. Grounded in the word of God. That's why it's so important that we emphasize the preaching 
of the Word of God. Um, we got a, a whole new group of people. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you a little bit more about it tomorrow. It's, a, it's an interesting group I got. Uh, they have all kinds of various backgrounds that they've come from. And uh, they didn't come across a person exactly like me when I do. <laughs> and uh, the, the backgrounds that they had. And uh, at first it was kind of like uh, knocking heads together and some of the things I was trying to show them from the Word of God. I said, now listen. All I'm trying to teach you is what the Word of God says. It's not about me. It's about the Word of God. Either you're going to, uh, you're not fighting me. You're fighting God. This is what God's Word says, and this is what you need to do. Now, I realize you've been taught all kinds of other things, but let's just throw those things aside, and let's just look at what the Word of God says and go with that. Well, they're slowly coming along. <laughs> There's a lot of work still going on. But you got to be steadfast, steadfast in that. Um, uh, it says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, uh, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain as you do that. So, all right, so uh, back there, uh, back there, Revelation 14, 12. Uh, here is the patience steadfastness, keep it on no matter what the circumstances are of the saints. Uh, here are they that keep the commandments of God. They're going to be faithful in keeping the commandments of God and faithfully doing what the commandments say. And then, and the faith of Jesus. The faith of Jesus. Now here, they were not ashamed to take the name of Christ and stand for him. That's where he said, I'm standing for the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, that's, I was not a popular stand there during the tribulation period, the Antichrist and the, and the false prophet out there and such. But said, no, we're standing with Christ. We are standing with him. And we're gonna, we, we take the faith of Jesus. We put our faith with him, and we, we want to be recognized with him. Not with the Antichrist, and not with the false prophet, and all that. We're not. That's not us. We are with Christ, and we are standing with Christ, and we will not be moved. And the only way you can move us is to take our heads off. That's it. We're not going to be moved from that stand. And that's what we need today. But we don't see that. We don't see those real convictions that you're not moved from. Again, the word of God is steadfast. It's sure. It doesn't change. And so even though there's pressure today, and it's becoming more and more such in our society, and those who take a strong stand for that is right. They're the ones that get all the criticism today. They're the ones that are always being put down today. But well, no, we're not going to be moved from that. We're going to stand. We're standing for Christ. If you don't like that, then, well, that's your problem, not mine. That's your problem. 
Uh, look over in Second uh, Timothy here for a moment. Here Paul had to encourage Timothy. Oh, what a faithful servant he was. I think uh, uh, Paul trusted him more than anyone else. He was a young man, uh, 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 a lot younger than uh, Paul was, and he took him under his wing. But uh, it, it seems, uh, uh, as we read here, it seems like uh, uh, he was, uh, sometimes he would be a little timid, especially when, when he thought about his age and all uh, uh, such. And uh, he, he seemed to have a little bit of timidity in him. And so Paul had to kind of encourage him uh, a little bit concerning that. And so he says over here in Second Timothy chapter 1, as, uh, as the Lord, uh, as Paul, left him there in Ephesus, uh, there to minister. And he noticed what he says there in uh, verse number 7. Well, I'll go up to verse 6 here. He says here, first of all, uh, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting of my hands. Again, uh, speaking of the spiritual gifts that, that, that he could use in ministering to God, that the, he was to use that spiritual gift uh, there in their lives. Uh, again, that's something that every one of us as believers has a spiritual gift. In fact, that's what we're teaching on. Uh, up there in our church right now concerning spiritual gifts and that each and every one of us the believers has a spiritual gift and it's to be used of God for his service. So anyhow, uh, so he has that. But now notice verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. No, no, no. We don't have a spirit of fear. We don't run away from problems that come. We don't run away from criticisms that might come our way. We, won't, we don't do that. Why? But we have the power and of love and of a sound mind. For God has not given a spirit of fear, but a power. That is the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. We are, can never be defeated when that power is working in our life. And, he give, and he's given us that wonderful love uh, of God within our heart. Uh, and the service for him, and of a sound mind, a mind uh, that uh, uh, that is that is uh, uh, self-controlled as, as such. He says, "I we have given you the God has given that to you." Now, knowing that you being faithful there, verse eight, be thou therefore our. our uh, I forgot one main word there. Be not thou, therefore, ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed, Timothy. Listen, you're going to get opposition. As he was there in Ephesus, he was going to get opposition as he, as he was trying to establish the church and so forth there. You're, you're, going, to get, you're going to get opposition. You're going to have people criticizing you. But don't fear about that. Don't be ashamed for what you stand for. You just stand for the for what is right. Don't don't be turned away from that. Don't worry about what they say. Just keep on going 
there. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Hey, uh, my faith is him, and I'm standing for where he stands, that's where I stand. I won't be moved from that, nor of me his prisoner. Again, Paul in prison, he spent so much time there, and don't be ashamed of me. Of course, he was there in prison because of his stand. But he says now, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. Be a partaker of it. That is a part of the ministry for serving Christ. We know we're going to face all kinds of afflictions in our life as Christians. It's, it's spoke of that over and over again. Those who live for Christ will suffer affliction for him. It's obvious. If you're standing for what's right, uh, uh, the world's not going to go shaking your hand. Well, I'm glad you're taking such a good stand there. No. They'll do everything to criticize and ridicule you and get you out of the way. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor, uh, or nor me of his presence, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the God according to the power of God. Again, it's, uh, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. I can't, we can't do it on our own. It's the Holy Spirit working in us that we are able to do it. So do, don't be that way. Don't be that way. And then he gives us an example of that uh, later on in the chapter here. Look down there at verse 16. It says here, Lord, give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, uh, of, uh, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. He stood where Paul was standing. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. And the Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day and in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. Here was another faithful man. No matter what the circumstances are, he was going to be faithful in his service to him. Now, back there to Revelation chapter 14. All right, so that's what we're to do. What is our reward? Is there a reward for this? Oh, yeah. Notice here in verse, uh, Revelation chapter 14, uh, verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead. Blessed are the dead. There's a blessing on them. There, there's, uh, there's, they're, they're fortunate, they're well off. Blessed are the dead. You know what the Bible says there in, uh, in uh, Psalm six, 116, verse 15, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Yeah. It's, a, you know, it's an honor that we could die for our faith. And so it says, blessed are the dead. Blessed are them that die in the Lord. Uh, there. And, uh, and so it says, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord... From henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest. 
Final rest comes when we're in the presence of the Lord. Final rest will come at that time. We are, we are now... We are now laborers for the Lord in our service to God. We keep on going, as it says over in Luke chapter 12, verses 42 and 43. And the Lord said, uh, Who then is that faithful, wise steward, uh, whom his Lord shall make a ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat and due season? Blessed is the servant of whom his Lord when he cometh shall find so doing. We are faithful until the very end. And as we are faithful to the very end, then when we come in the presence of the Lord, then our rest will come. Then uh, uh, we can be satisfied that we have served God as we should have uh, there. Uh, from the, uh, so it says, Yea, say the Spirit, that they may rest, from their labors, they're busy serving God, no matter what the situation. And then, there again, here's the promise, and their works do follow them. God knows exactly what we have done for him. It's never in vain. And we will be rightfully rewarded for that. He says over in uh, Hebrews chapter 6, Hebrews 6 uh, verse 19, uh, here, here it says here, it says, which hope we have as an anchor, um, uh, it says here, which, uh, which hope um, we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entered in that with all the veil, wherefore, uh, uh, the forerunner is for us, entered even Jesus made a high priest forever and ever of uh, Melchizedek. Uh, uh, um, uh, that's, that's not the exact verse I was looking at here. Um, looking over at, um, uh, over at chapter, uh, um, chapter 10 here. Look over chapter 10 here. And it says here, um, he says here, verse 34. He says, For ye have compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourself that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which ye have great recompense of reward for ye have need of patience Okay, we need a patience that after ye have done the will of God ye might receive the promise okay. have patience enduring so that as we are faithfully doing the will of God standing for him and then as, as we finish our race that we might receive the promise for yet a little while, and he shall come, will come, and will not tarry. He will come in his perfect time. And nothing will interfere in that God's perfect time. It will come. And so we can rest in that. 
There's nothing too small that we can, uh, that God doesn't know about. God knows all things. You know, he spoke about uh, over in uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 41, it says, For who shall give you a cup of water and drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward, even a, a cup of water to drink. You will not lose your reward. So the, the point that we want to make here tonight, things are going to get more and more difficult as we come towards the end. Are we going to stand for Christ? Are we going to, uh, no matter what opposition we face, no matter what discouragement comes our way, are we going to continue on in our service for God and be a light for him and standing for the truth of God's word? We need to do that more and more today than we ever had before. And our light will shine that much brighter because this world is becoming that much more wicked. And, and the people have to see that, uh, that we have real conviction for that which is right. Though they might not uh, uh, believe the things that we believe in, but they'll, they'll see that, hey, they have convictions. And that they're standing for something that's, that means something. And that's what we need to do. Be, be persistent in our walk with him. Do not, do not, do not turn away from that. Too many, too many people have done that. I've seen that. And that's the sad thing I've seen through the years. I, I've seen men and women. And I, 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 I thought, boy, God could really use this person. But then something comes up and um, hinders them and they go away. I remember years ago, uh, a young man in our church, he says, well, I feel called of God. And um, I, wanna, I, wanna, I, I, I think God wants me to preach. I said, great. And... Um, I says, okay, well, let's, let's set up a time. We're going to work together for that purpose of, of getting you to that point. But it wasn't long after that. Uh, there was something in his life that I knew was going on there. And I told him, I says, here's something in your life that, um, that's going on that's going to be a great hindrance to you. And uh, you need to to deal with this, get this thing right, so that God can use you. But he wasn't willing to do that. He says, no, I'm not going to deal with that. I don't see anything wrong with that. And he turned his back and says, no. Ministry's not for me. Okay. Didn't take much for him. But there's a lot of people out there. You know, yeah, I'll serve God as long as I can serve him the way I want to serve him. But we don't do that. We're yielded servants. We allow him to direct us, to guide us the way we should go. And sometimes it could, 
it, it, it could be a hard path. It could be a hard path that we have to go through. But it's sure worth it. It's sure worth it. You know, I, now I have the advantage. I can look back all the years. And I said, boy, if I realized some of the things that happened in my life, I don't know if I would have ever gone into missions. Um, but it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it at all. And I, I want to be, as Paul was, faithful to the end, whenever that is. I'm going to keep the faith. Keep the faith. And don't, don't turn from that. Everybody else might turn from you, but I will keep the faith. I'll be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ until he comes back. And I pray that that will be your desire tonight. That I want to be faithful to God. <clears throat> Again, our emphasis, be in faithfulness. Yeah, we expect your, uh, the missionary you support, that they'll be faithful. <clears throat> I could give you one more story. Talking about missionaries. <clears throat> we had one man come up. Oh, a few years back, I can't remember, five or so years ago, he was called up to come to uh, Ontario, eastern Ontario, and start a church. And uh, he says, I'm going to be the Whitfield of Canada. Okay, fine. <clears throat> if you think so. And he came up and so forth. And... Uh, <coughs> He was he started working with us for a while until we got him established. But then I noticed he just wasn't very faithful. Sometimes he wasn't even in church. He was at home instead of being in church. I said, "Well, where where are you? you? Should be in church here and such. You're not coming as you should." He says, "Well, now this this honestly he said this." My father said, when there's snow on the road, you don't go out. I said, what? I said, this is, <laughs> hey, you're not, you're not down in Florida. <laughs> this is Ontario, Canada. There's lots of snow up here. I said, what are you talking about? Well, he said, that's what I should do. You're not going to last. And he did it. It wasn't long after that. He just up, packed up and left. He didn't even tell us he left. He was gone. We don't need people like that. And I pity the churches that supported him to get him up there, that he did such a thing. And I, and I, I, I let his, uh, his pastor down in the States that he came out of, I let him know exactly what happened. I said, this, this isn't right. We don't, want, we don't want to be like that. We don't want to be that. We want to be faithful, faithful in our service to God and all we do. And I hope that's your desire. Wherever have God has you to serve, that he would do that. And we need, we need faithful people who will go out no matter where it is spread the gospel. Wherever God leads you, whether it's right here, Martville area, maybe up in Kingston. Boy, we are praying for people up there. 
boys, there's anything I need is some good men working up there in our area. I'll talk more about that tomorrow. Uh, but we need that. We need good, faithful men, women, wherever God calls you, in the service of God. And I guarantee you, you will not regret it one second. One second. But you have to surrender yourself to that. And I pray that you will do that even tonight. Pastor, I'll let you take over.